0: No, sir. I'm fine. Thank you. And good morning, everybody. It is good to see everyone. I want to uh, real quickly take a few minutes to introduce uh, this young man with me. That's my son, Luke. He ate a house. Amen. I'm just teasing. But uh, everybody's been asking what happened to him. Amen. And uh, he he has definitely grown. And uh, our family is changing. And I wanted to, and I know this is highly unorthodox pastor. You have to bear with me. But those who have not seen my granddaughter, you got to see her. Amen. That's Glory's baby right there, that is Mariah, and uh, yeah, she is, she's wonderful, amen, and uh, so we're, we're really enjoying her, and there's this app on, on the uh, phone called Marco Polo, and so she videos us, we have a stream just for Mariah, and uh, we get videos of her every day crawling around and doing all kinds of stuff, and so uh, God is certainly good to us, amen, and we're enjoying life, enjoying all the precious things that God has given to us, and uh, I want to really <coughs> just... Take a few minutes to say uh, thank you to the church uh, I know that uh, this is not our sending church, but we certainly we were, we we're debating yesterday we almost got divorced over it brother Art. amen but we're debating how long we've been coming here and uh, I, I want to say it's it's getting close to twenty years and uh, so that that says a lot about you folks being gluttons for punishment amen but uh, anyway, you've been very kind to us and and it has been uh, just a, a wonderful relationship. I know that you folks pray for us and uh, When we left here, I want to say it was almost two years ago, I believe, since we've been here. It's hard to believe; it just time just clicks by so fast, and our family's shrinking, by the way. But uh, so we have a prayer card with just two kids on it, and uh, Emma, uh, she she was on a stretching machine. That's what happened to her. Amen. But uh, the youngest girl's the tallest, and uh, she she thinks she's going to beat me, but it's not going to happen. But anyway, uh, so we have two married off now. Bethany's married, and she is in Amboy, Illinois. And uh, so I told her not to go to a communist state, but she decided to anyway. But she's in Rocky Fritz's church. And uh, so it's funny with the way the Lord uh, changes things. Uh, she stayed in a lot of prophets' rooms and a lot of prophets' apartments and, and all of that and dirtied them up for the years. And now she, we, she, they have a very active one in their church, and she's actually the one taking care of it. And so she might clean it two or three times a week for different people coming through. So now she's getting the other side of it, amen. And she probably wishes she wasn't so messy back yonder, amen, but uh, so God is, God is using her and she's up there. And then Joelle is at Bible College up at Masters in Fargo, North Dakota, where I'm a, an adjunct professor up there. So we'll get to spend a couple of weeks with her this fall, but uh, she's just there uh, through the end of uh, this year. So she'll have this semester, next semester. And then her plan is to get hitched in July. And uh, she's going to be marrying a young man who is the first cousin to Bethany's husband. And uh, you got to hear this because this is hilarious. I probably told you this before, but, uh, you know, we told our kids, you know, Brother Wes, you, you, you say amen to this. Well, I'm a bow hunter, and uh, so I, I'm kind of a redneck kind of guy, amen. And uh, so I told my daughters, you're going to have to marry Hicks after living in this home, amen. And so they took it to heart. And uh, so Bethany married Alex Hicks, and uh, Joelle is uh, courting now. Uh, to Connor Hicks, and so they're both Hicks, amen? And uh, so I told Emma, stop looking in that field, amen? Uh, Because there's others up there. But anyway, uh, my daughters took it to heart, so they're all marrying off a bunch of Hicks, amen? But uh, I wanna say thank you. When we left here, uh, going back to what I was saying when I ran the first rabbit trail, uh, I appreciate uh, your kindness toward us. We had a blowout on the highway, and it's been that long, and uh, you folks helped us out with that uh, tremendously. And uh, there's no way I can, I can say thank you enough for what you folks do for us. Uh, my wife was out, on, uh, out of the interstate when that happened. All my tools, went st- they were strewn across the interstate right near Green Bay in real bad traffic time. And uh, so I had to say, woman, get off the road. You're going to die. I'm just going to grab a few more. And uh, so anyway, uh, most of it got to get left. But uh, God got us all fixed up, and we got new tires on the back. And so the rest of them were dry rotted. And so... Uh, you know I, I just really appreciate your kindness and then recently with my sickness um, uh, you might ask me what, what really was wrong and they don't even know all they did was eliminate stuff they assumed it was a viral meningitis but then when I left I had an infected tooth I went and got that taken out and uh, so it might have been a combination or one or the other but uh, for about 30 days I was down and uh, you know when God puts you down like that he reminds you he has the power to put you down number one and the Lord was really dealing with me uh, during that time, and spiritually, I went before the Lord with much weeping, and uh, He's beginning to give us some direction, and uh, you may hear some things about uh, the future of our ministry and, and uh, some changes that the Lord's uh, making, but I don't want to jump the gun and get into that today, but uh, I, I just want to say thank you again. Uh, it's not overlooked. We're very appreciative, and uh, if it weren't for churches like you, we wouldn't be on the road right now, so I want to thank, uh, thank you for your kindness to us. Um, We've driven 977 miles to get here, amen? And so if the meeting flops, amen, what a terrible thing. I'm just kidding, amen? Uh, I know much prayer's gone into it, so I need you to continue to pray for me as I try to preach and give you what God has put on my heart. I want to mention one last thing. Uh, The girl's final CD is out. Uh, it's called the Alexander Trio, There Will Be Grace and There Will Be No More, Amen, after this. Amazingly, uh, time is flying. If I don't move on, I'll cry, amen. But anyway, uh, there are final CDs back there and then also our prayer card, so please avail yourself to those things. If you would take your Bible now, go to 2 Chronicles chapter number 30 with me. Second Chronicles chapter 30. And I want to uh, deal this morning with the subject of revival and what I want to talk to you about this morning is a heart preparation for revival what can we do in our hearts to receive revival to receive what God has for each and every one of us this week and I want to just start by using some scripture uh, to get us uh, thinking here uh, about some of the principles that are necessary to revival and then I want to do something a little bit unorthodox, which I guess if you do so much unorthodox stuff, that becomes orthodoxy to you, amen? But uh, at the end of this, I want, us to, I want to ask a series of questions, and I want you to participate in the sense that when I ask these questions, uh, I, I want you to ask them to yourself. In other words, let the Holy Spirit put these questions to you and to me in reference to our, uh, our true preparation for what God has for us this week. These meetings come and they go. And uh, God can do a great work in our hearts, and so I want to I want to focus this morning on revival. Second Chronicles chapter 30. Let me read a scripture, and then we'll pray, and we'll jump in. Verse number eight. The Bible said, "Now be ye not stiff-necked as your fathers were, but watch this: yield yourselves unto the Lord, and enter into His sanctuary, <clears throat> which He has sanctified forever." and serve the Lord your God that the fierceness of his wrath may turn away from you father hallelujah to your holy name today thank you for being such a good God to us you've been so faithful so kind so patient Lord you've provided for every need we have spiritually physically uh, monetarily father you have been a wonderful Savior And God we come to you today to your throne of grace through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we ask you, Father, would you please bless your people? Would you help us this week to draw closer to you? Would you speak to our hearts in areas we don't even realize we have problems? Thank you for the probing ability of the Holy Spirit to point out things that we don't even realize we have problems with. I thank you for doing that in my life. And God, I pray today, uh, tonight, uh, the, the morning service all week long, that you would take these services into your hands and you would direct, lead, and guide them in every way. I pray for good attendance. Father, I pray for attentiveness of the people. I pray, Father, that you'd anoint the messages, that you'd help me and enable me to be able to say all the things you want to be said. And Lord, I pray that this would be a life-changing time for each and every one of us. God, we know in one encounter with the Spirit of God for a few moments can direct us and change things in our lives. And I pray for that this week. I pray that you'd find a resting place here in the midst of this auditorium. And God, I commit it all to you now, Lord. I I take my hands off it. I ask you to bind devils, all distractions away from this place. And Father, you do the work now and get the glory uh, from it all. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we look at this verse of Scripture, and I want to read it just one more time. Now, be not stiff necked as your fathers were, but yield yourselves unto the Lord and enter into his sanctuary which he has sanctified forever and serve the Lord your God that the fierceness of his wrath may turn away from you Uh, some things very evident in this particular verse of scripture first of all God's desire for his people then was clear as his desire for us today is very clear He didn't want to have to chasten them. He says that his wrath may turn away from you. So it was the idea of God uh, that I don't want to have to chasten. I don't want to have to do uh, things that would be considered severe things in your life. I want my wrath to be able to turn away from you. So uh, I don't know where each and every one is at today. Uh, But listen, we serve a good God. And uh, I believe God wants to help us and God wants to bless us. God does not desire, nor does he relish in punishing his people and so his desire of course was clear he didn't want to have to chasten them he wanted his wrath to turn away but then notice there's something imperative here and that is that he has a command his command to his people was also clear that is yield yourselves unto the Lord in other words I want to turn my wrath away and I want to bless you but you're going to have to yield yourselves Unto the Lord. And as we consider this under the title or the context of heart preparation for revival, preparation for revival involves yielding the heart. That is something we need to consider at the very outset uh, of what we begin to talk about all week long, is there has to be a yielding of the heart, and it must start as early as possible in this meeting. You know, I was just thinking about how difficult it is to try to direct anything, any animal, whether you're riding a horse, whether uh, you're, you're driving a car, if the power steering goes out, if the horse begins to buck, if you're trying to lead an animal with a rope, whatever the case is, uh, there has to be an agreement, amen, the car must be functional properly, the power steering must be working, the horse must have confidence uh, that that where you're leading is a good place and so you're able to direct. And and when God tries to lead and guide and direct our lives, it has everything to do with us agreeing with God and therefore yielding to Him and allowing Him to direct our lives. And He uses meetings like this to give great direction, amen? I'll tell you, if if we appreciate a, a Sunday school and a Sunday morning and a Sunday night and a Wednesday night, how much more should we appreciate? God offering us direction uh, for several nights in a row now that being said take your Bible go to Jeremiah chapter 4 with me and I just want to hit a few scriptures uh, before we really jump in uh, to what I want to look at today Jeremiah chapter number 4 and you pray for me I've got this new thing I'm trying to preach shorter amen so everybody, everybody loves the concept, but nobody loves me still, amen? So I'm, I'm, I'm working on it, but you pray for me. I'm trying to shave it down from two hours, amen? But uh, Jeremiah chapter 4, verse number 1, the Bible said, If thou wilt return, O Israel, saith the Lord, return unto me, and if thou wilt put away thine abominations out of my sight. What God is saying is that to, to do this, to return to God, to draw close to God, there has to be a separation. There has to be a repentance of those things the Holy Spirit reveals. He said, uh, Then shalt thou not remove, and thou shalt swear, The Lord liveth in truth, in judgment, and in righteousness, and the nations shall bless themselves in him. Watch this, and in him shall they glory. For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem. Now, I want you to notice several things, and these are very familiar to us, but I want to just remind you of these things as we enter this week of meetings. Notice, first of all, he says, break up your fallow ground. What he's simply saying there is, prepare the ground of your heart. You know, what you get out of a meeting is exactly you know, what you're going to, what you put into it or rather, is what you're going to get out of a meeting. And so, The idea here is we must break up the fallow ground, and I know that I'm talking to a bunch of farmers in here, amen, and uh, I can't say it any better than you already understand it in your heart, but those of us that are not farmers, I mean, if you don't prepare the ground, I mean, you're wasting your time trying to put the seed in and make it go deep and make it come up and to have the proper type of ground for there to be a crop, and so the Lord tells us we must prepare our hearts if we're going to have revival, and we're going to get to how we do that in a little bit, but I want you to notice all Also, he said this, and sow not among thorns. So in other words, he says this, also, you're going to have to stop sinning. Amen? I mean, flinging a bunch of seed among a bunch of weeds, that is not going to work very well. And so the Lord said, uh, you know, stop sinning. Prepare the ground of your heart. Whatever it is in your life that's drawing you away from God, you have to stop doing that. And then he says this, circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskins of your heart now I don't want to get very technical on this obviously there's some things in the scripture I don't want to get uh, very in-depth on but we all understand what circumcision is amen and what he's saying is there's there's something there that really doesn't serve a purpose it, it just gets in the way it's a hindrance in fact it'll inhibit it inhibit filth and it'll hold in germs and and it'll hold in the bad stuff what he's saying is quit resisting And allowing that which has no purpose to get in the way. May I say that there's many things in our lives. They serve no purpose whatsoever that is positive and good in the sight of God. And the Lord is saying those things that are time wasters. Those things that drag your affection away from God. uh, Stop sinning but also take those weights and those things out of the way. That simply serve no purpose and, and just get in the way. And so then he says this, you men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come like fire And burn that none can quench it because of the evil of your doings. Now, again, in every passage I look at, I want you to notice that God's ultimate desire is to bless His people. His ultimate desire is to have His will imposed upon my life so that I may experience the goodness of God and fulfill that will and and bring glory to Him. Take your Bible, if you would, very quickly. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4 quickly. I want to say I've done this for just a little while, and what I've found in churches is that most people are not really prepared for the revival meeting. I guess they suppose that the Sunday school and the Sunday morning and the Sunday night will prepare us for the rest of the week. But it'd be good for us just to get our attitudes adjusted this morning and be good for us to humble ourselves this morning. Uh, You know, it's amazing how many times I've walked into a church and had somebody, uh, I overheard somewhere walking through the the sanctuary that morning say, oh, we have revival? I I didn't know, I saw the evangelist bus out there and uh, I guess we have revival starting this week and they've been there in every service supposedly, but just no concern, no desire, no desire for themselves and sadly no desire for their family members no desire for their children no desire for their community no concern really at all about seeking God's face in revival Deuteronomy 4 notice verse 26 I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that you shall soon utterly perish from off the land where until you go over Jordan to possess it you shall not prolong your days upon it but shall utterly be destroyed and the Lord shall scatter you among the nations and ye shall be left few in number among the heathen, whither the Lord shall lead you. And there you shall serve serve gods, the work of men's hands, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. Watch this. But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. If thou seek him with all thy heart, And with all thy soul. Can I say that if we could just narrow down uh, how do we get revival? Revival preparation has to do with me seeking the face of God with all of my heart and with all of my soul. No inhibitions, taking the brakes off completely, just running headlong into God and trying to find out everything that He has for me uh, with a desire to allow Him to do whatever He wants to do in my life. Now, here's the question I have for you this morning, okay? So God, obviously, doesn't want to judge His people. God, obviously, doesn't want to do drastic things in our lives. He would like us to turn our hearts to Him and to yield to Him. But what steps may be taken to prepare the heart to seek Him and to receive revival? Let me give you some simple thoughts this morning. First of all, may I say, as you turn to Proverbs 16, number one, the heart, first of all, must be here in order to receive revival. In other words, friend, if we don't have an encounter with God and we don't get under biblical preaching, revival is not going to come to us on a family level, on a personal level. So the heart simply must be here. And I realize that you're not a bunch of children. I'm not here to castigate you. But I want to say, my friend, that a lot of people just don't, simply don't see the need or the necessity to be under preaching. And what is so sad is, again, they don't see the need or necessity to have their children under preaching. uh, To to really be a a witness to those around them and their community. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 1. The preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Let me break that verse down for just a moment. There's two things that are from the Lord. First of all, the preparations of the heart in man is from the Lord. In other words, my friend, listen, if we're going to be prepared to have revival, uh, we've got to first of all be here because even that preparation comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. So the condition the heart needs to be in in order to be in His presence and hear His truth actually comes from being in His presence and hearing His truth. Let me put it to you this way. Uh, Sunday school we'll build upon, uh, Sunday morning we'll build upon the Sunday school. I don't know what direction this meeting's going. I honestly don't have a set of messages. I don't have a series through a book. I just preached through the churches of Revelation uh, recently, but I don't have a series that I'm going to be preaching through. But I promise you this, as we pray and honestly take our hands off it and seek God's face as best we know how, Sunday night is going to build upon what Sunday morning was. And as God begins to tenderize our hearts with three messages today, Monday night we'll begin to build upon that. And as we begin to yield and God deals with us, Tuesday night we'll build upon that. And one of those nights it could be the message is just Exactly what you needed I mean you'll feel like the only one uh, That is in the service You'll feel like the preacher Has been reading your text messages Listening to your phone calls It is those times when I want to be here I'll just be honest with you I never want to miss a service Where God wanted to do something in my heart And and what's so sad is parents today Won't bring their children Could you imagine sitting at home And watching television and, And teaching your children Revival's not important And that was the night your kid Was going to get saved By the grace of God. That was the night your boy was going to get called to preach. That was the night your daughter was going to give up the bad music she's been sneaking behind your back. And we just don't have any idea what God could do in the lives of our children. But first of all, the heart must be here in order to hear the message and to get revival from the God of heaven. So, what we need to have revival truly comes from His hand. I've, I've, I've talked to uh, people over the years who were so sad that uh, people in their church, uh, uh, even deacons and family members and others, just saw no no concern whatsoever to come to revival. Many people can't miss out on Cub Scouts or 4-H or the ungodly problem. Can I just tell you something? Uh, that stuff really is very minor in in the long term and really in the in the future of your children and in your marriage and in your family. I can't even believe some of the things. Some people just sit at home. I'm Imagine, again, choosing television and then your kids go to hell. Choosing that church is not important, revival's not important. We're just going to be there Sunday when we have to. That's good enough to keep the preacher off our back. And then our kids go to hell or our kids end up homosexuals, or our kids end up out in the world. And we wonder what happened. Well, listen, Mom and Dad, if church is not important to us, if it's not, if it's not serious enough for us to do everything we can to be here, then why would it be important to our children? If we're going to have revival the heart must be here but may I say also quickly not only does the heart have to be here the heart has to be humbled. this idea well I'm here now let's see what you got no you're not really here and you're not blessing us and you're no gift to God either when I come in that door I need to realize this is not my house it's not your house I don't care who built it. I don't care how much money you've given. I don't care how many times I've preached here. This is God's house. He's the one that died on the cross for us. And may we never forget, we are not here blessing God. We are not here because we're, we're doing Him a favor. We're not here to sell Mary Kay, impress our friends, or get, a, get the pastor off our back. We are here to meet with the God of heaven and bring Him the glory that is due unto His name. And in order to do that, we not only need to be here, the heart has to be here, but it has to be Humbled down before the Lord. Look in your Bible, this Psalm chapter 10. Psalm chapter 10, please, in your Bible. The heart must be humbled. I know this Sunday school and I'm not supposed to preach it. I'm doing my best. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Psalm 10 in verse number 17. The Bible said, Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. Watch this. Thou wilt prepare their heart. Thou wilt cause thine ear to hear. You see, how do we get prepared for revival? First of all, you got to be under the Word. Amen? you got to be where the Holy Spirit is working and where uh, the people of God have determined this is what we're going to do is we're going to corporately seek the face of God. But then God prepares our hearts But they have to be humbled down for God to prepare us for revival. Look, folks, if there's any inhibitions this week, if there's any, any, uh, any antagonistic feelings towards your pastor, towards the church, towards this evangelist, towards uh, God himself. Maybe something disappointed you about what God's done in your life in the past. I pray that you'll be able to put that aside this week and understand that God wants to help us. And everything that God has for us is good. God wants no ill will for any of us. In James one twenty one, the Bible says it this way, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Now, I want to say that there has to be a meekness, and this is kind of maybe be humorous to you, but I wish everybody in every church had to travel in evangelism for a couple years. Say, why is that? Because you would find out not, not just the, the driving and all of the, the craziness and waking up and not knowing which Walmart parking lot you're in, amen, on a long trip. All that's crazy. But you know, I don't get to sit under preaching much. I mean, very, very seldom do I get to sit where you sit and say, Another service. Bless me if you can. Here we are again. Man, I wish to God I could get to sit under more preaching. I need it. I desperately need it. You say, Yes, you do. Praise God. I think we all do. Amen. And I'm just, I'm just big enough to admit it. Hey, I need preaching. And when I get under preaching, I'm going to tell you what. I'm like a little kid in a candy shop. I'm soaking up every word. I can remember just about every sermon my pastor preached that I've heard in the last five years since I've been a member of that church at Gazadale Baptist Temple because it means so much to me just to sit under the preaching. What happens in evangelism is I don't get preached to. I want to say, my friend, that when I sit under preaching, it's not because I'm good. It's just because I'm so hungry because I miss it so much and and I take it to heart. Would to God that would be our attitude, whether we, we have to have a dearth of it to realize it, or just would to God God would just give every one of us at heart today to be hungry and to realize something great could happen in every sermon. Something awesome could happen in my marriage in this revival meeting. Something awesome could happen with my child in this meeting. God could break out and really save a bunch of souls this week. May we come with meekness, seeking the face of Almighty God. So the heart has to be here. It has to be humble. But then let me say this. The heart must be hungry. The heart must be hungry. And I know I've said this many times, but there is an old adage, and very wise one, I believe states whatever endeavor you embark upon, you're going to get out of it whatever you put into it. That's no different with church. It's no different with preaching. And so our heart needs to be hungry. Look in your Bible, if you will, to Psalm 42, to a very familiar passage of Scripture and a wonderful little chorus that many churches sing. As I'm going through this, we haven't gotten to the questions yet. But I'm praying that the Holy Spirit is already asking you these questions. Number one, do you plan to be here? Number one, did you plan to come humble? Or do you have a chip on your shoulder? Number three, are you going to come and are you truly going to be hungry and soak up everything that God has for you? Psalm 42, verse number one, As the heart panteth after the water brooks. Now we read this and it's beautiful and poetic, but think about it. Picture it in your eye. Think about those deer that lay out in the fields in the hot sun all day. And they know that if they get up and walk, there'll be predators or possibly hunters. And, and they have to get up, though, and they know they've got to get there. And some of them will walk a half a mile or a mile. They'll get to that nearest water source no matter what it takes. They've got to have it. And they're panting when they get there. Not, not totally like a camel, but a deer will lay for hours upon hours. Now, you and I couldn't do that. We've got to be in the refrigerator getting a, getting a drink, getting another bottle of water. But by the time they get there, they're panting for that. Now, I want you to pick. That when's the last time we came to church like that? Well, we love this psalm and we'll sing it, but do we mean it and understand it and believe it? As the heart panteth after the water brooks, could we honestly say with the psalmist that I agree with him? This is my heart, too. So panteth my soul after thee, O God. Does my soul thirst for God, for the living God? Are we just coming because we have to be here oh my friends listen there needs to be a desire there needs to be a hunger in our hearts I may have told you this story before but it just never never changes amen and it's something God uses in my life over and over and over back in Bible college days years ago yeah I'll be honest we had some duds come in that preached amen Dry as cracker juice, you know. Dead as four o'clock in the morning, and you're you just waiting for him to preach, amen, and lay it on you. And to some of them were more professors than preachers. I remember one time, and this was uh, Doctor Getch was a was a graduate of Maranatha, and I remember he came in one year in the early '90s, and I remember that week because it was different. He was no fuddy-duddy and no deadhead, amen. And he got up just like a machine gun's quoting scripture and quoting scripture and quoting scripture. I mean, I tell you, man, I, I buried my face on that carpet and wept Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, and every single message was ringing my bell. And the more I yielded to God and received it, the more open my heart was the next night. And I mean, I was just putting away sin and spending more time in prayer and getting right with God. And man, on Friday when the meeting closed, I remember just walking back to the dorm and I was depressed. My heart was full. It was overflowing. But I remember the change God made in my life in five days that week through the preaching of the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit working. I walked into Carry Dorm and as I began to walk up the steps, I remember hearing some young men walking down through and they were horsing around. And one of them said, what are you going to do tomorrow? And the other one said something to the effect, uh, we can do anything we want. The stupid revival's over. Now I remember how that just pained my heart. And I thought to myself, "Man, how how could two people sit in the same service, hear the same message, with the same moving of the Spirit of God? How could I be so full? And, and I was just praying, "God, let the revival go on. Let the revival go on." And yet others sat there. I'm not saying I'm good and they were bad. That's not the point. Just as wicked as anyone. But what I'm trying to tell you. Is that's what I've seen down through the years. There's some that come and they say bless me if you can. And others that come and say oh God I want everything you've got. Lord please dump it on me this week. And when the week ends they wish it could go on. I want to say there's got to be a hunger to have revival in our hearts. Do you have that hunger today? May we make that our prayer this week. God give me that hunger Psalm 85, 6, Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? Oh, my friend, maybe the rejoicing's gone because there's no revival in our hearts. Psalm 81 and verse 10, I am the Lord thy God which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. Now, God's not saying sit there and crack your jaw open and wait for some magical thing to fall from heaven. Probably some charismatic somewhere interprets it that way. But what God is saying spiritually the more that you open up the more you're going to find that I am going to dump out blessings upon your life but there has to be a hunger James 1.19 wherefore my beloved brethren let every man be swift to hear slow to speak and slow to wrath God said be very swift to hear the word of God now I've gotten down to where I want to really focus that was the message before the message amen I want to ask you some questions and I want you to let the Holy Spirit ask you these questions in your heart. The first one is very simple. Have I given much thought to this revival? Am I excited about what God will do in me in this week of meetings? Just let, let, let that sink in for a minute. That tells you a lot about your preparedness and my preparedness. Proverbs 19.22 The Bible said the desire of a man is his kindness, and the poor man is better than a liar. In other words, you're going to be kind towards that which you desire. You're going to put effort into, you're going to put time into the thing that you really desire. And friend, if you really want revival, if you really thought about this and are excited about it, then you'll invest in it and see what you can get as a return. Let me ask you another question. Let the Holy Spirit ask you this. Is there anything in my heart that needs confessed before we begin? Now think about that for a minute because we often just pass on before the Holy Spirit can really deal with this. Is there anything at all in your heart that needs confessed before this meeting starts? That would get in the way of revival because, see, if God's already dealing with you about some sin in your life, some repetitive action, some choice words you had towards your parents or towards your spouse or towards your children... Something that some attitude that you've got and you're not going to deal with that. You know, a lot of times God's not going to show you anything else until you deal with what he's already shown you. He reveals light to us and shines bright light of conviction on some things and, 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 and reveals them, And then we have to deal with them. James 4 and verse 8, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. How foolish would it be to say, okay... I know that God told me to do this. I know what his word says. And yet I'm I'm not going to do that. But I'm still going to seek him in revival. You know what that is? That's absolute double-mindedness. I know what God said over here. I'm not going to obey him over here. But Lord, if you could just give me some revival in spite of all of that. That's not how it's going to work. Is there anything in my heart that needs confessed before we begin? This is heart preparation for revival. Let me give you another one. Am I harboring any bitterness or ill feelings such as anger towards any person that I know? Let that sink in for a minute. Because somehow we think also, God, you don't see that we're the proverbial ostrich with our head in the sand. Lord, you can't see me over here in this area. Yes, I'm harboring bitterness, but but I still love God. No, those two don't work together. That reminds me of the crowd says, well, well, I, I love Jesus, but I don't believe there's a hell. Well, Jesus said there was. Amen? Amen. It's like I've often said, it's like saying there's a ham sandwich that's got no ham in it. There's no such creature that exists like that. Well, yes, I'm bitter, but you know, I'm still going to get revival this week in other areas of my life not till you deal with what God has already shown you. So, am I harboring any bitterness or ill feelings such as anger towards any person that I know? Ephesians 4.31 is very, very obvious. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice you see friend many people come into revival and they're holding on to bitterness. say how do you know because i've watched people stand up and testify with tears streaming down their face i've been bitter for 10 years spring revival all revival summer missions conference services every single week the Word of God came and I said no and it came and I said no and a hundred times and a thousand times and I said no and finally I decided to deal with my bitterness I wonder what more God could have done in that person's life had they dealt with it when they first knew they had a problem and bitterness my friend is one of the one of the most terrible sins in the Bible I'm telling you there's a very deceitful sin I remember for years hearing men preach on bitterness I'll tell you how was that I didn't think I was even susceptible of holding ill feelings towards someone for something they had done for an elongated period of time and you tuck it back in your heart you say well you know it's really not there and I'm not really bitter but let that person's name come up and all of a sudden, all those feelings come rushing back. Your mind immediately goes to what they've done, how they deserve punishment. And, and all of a sudden, if it comes up in a crowd, you immediately have to paint that person with a broad brush and beat them down and let everybody else know how wicked they are. And yet we try to say that we're not bitter. Now let me ask you another one. Am I willing to let God change whatever He wants to change in me? Remember, when you first got saved, that wasn't even a question. Oh, yes. What happens to us? Do we get so spiritual? Do we have our comfort zone Christianity where I've quit what I'm going to quit? I do what I'm going to do. My service levels are where I want them to be. My tithe is good enough, it's always there. My missions is probably right in the middle of where everybody else is at. I'm in the middle of the pack, I'm doing okay. And we get to the place where we don't want God to change anything and disrupt us. I don't want to get ahead of myself, so I'm going to be talking to the pastor this week about some disruptions God's making in my life. And I'm telling you, I know for a fact, sometimes you have to do some drastic things to shake us and get a hold of us, to disrupt us and direct us and show us some things in our lives that need to be done. But ask this question, am I willing to let God change whatever... He wants to change in me Isaiah 64 verse 8 but now O Lord thou art our father may we remember this we're the clay great pastor great evangelist great Sunday school teacher great deacon you know what we are we're just clay in the hands of the Potter we're not great there's been a debate over the years are there really great men I tend to believe there are no great men amen that only God is great And the only thing good about us is anything Jesus Christ does in us and through us. But are you still willing to let God change? See, Isaiah 64, 8, But now, O Lord, thou art the Father, we are the clay, and thou our potter. And we are all the work of thy hand. Let me ask you another one before we're done here. Now, I want to do something uh, here in just a minute. We're, We're about out of time. Is there some area I'm worrying about so greatly it's destroying my walk with God? Now I'm dealing with people every week of my life who have a child that has done something since they've gotten out of the home or a child that is still in the home. I'll give you an example, and I won't tell you where it is. That, that will be fine. And I know this is... Is this being recorded, by the way? Yeah, it is. We, we're, we're dealing with a family out west, and they have a, a daughter in a Christian school. And uh, about the age of 13 she began to start going the wrong direction in a Christian school. And about the age of 14, she ran away from home for the first time with a girl and uh, professed homosexuality. And I'm dealing with with people like this all the time now. Maybe not to that magnitude or that young of an age, but these things are coming up and, and they're, and you can get so caught up on the problem that you can't see what your other children are doing you're not really parenting your other children the way that you were parenting your other children, and your focus is on the problem so much. And I'm not saying that's not a problem, that you shouldn't be broken over that, but there's a host of things like that the devil does to get us off track onto the problem. And we can get so focused on the problem and worrying about that so much that it actually begins to destroy our walk with God, because we, we, we wonder, why did God allow that? And we start to hear the lies of the devil and what the atheists have been trying to tell us our whole lives. How could God be good if he, if he allows this to happen? And is God sovereign and does man have free will? See, God makes people do those things. And I'm going to tell you, it will destroy your walk with God. If you keep on getting worrying and worrying instead of turning it into prayer and submitting it to God over and over and over. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8, very familiar scripture. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. Listen, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Why? It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. You know, I, I, I'll be honest, if, if all of us in here begin to divulge publicly our greatest problems and our greatest fears, I think we'd be shocked to see how bad off we really are. Because every one of us has those hidden fears. Every one of us has major things that are weighing us down. And, and if we're not careful, it'll destroy our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. For example, you would come in here and say, well, we've got to get through this day and I've got to get back to worrying about my problem. <coughs> That's how big the problem can become. That no matter what's going on, the problem is always bigger and the problem's always in the forefront of your mind. I pray that God will help you to lay it on the altar this week. I may not know the answer to your problem, but I know this, that God does. I want to do something, preacher. We have seven minutes to 1030. And I don't, I don't know that we've done this before. And six or seven minutes is certainly not what is necessary. But I want to ask you if you'd bow your head right where you're at right now, Please. And make, just just make a little altar there where you're at. And I want us just to take, I'm going to be silent for a few minutes and ask you to just pray and ask God to help you this week, to speak to your heart this week, to give you exactly what you need from the word of God this week. And maybe there's some sin needs confessed and then I'll close us in, in verbal prayer in just a, a minute. our Heavenly Father Lord all of us are different and all of us are in different places in our lives and yet we all need you and Lord I know there are some things that we can agree on in our prayer and God I know that our hearts can all agree that father we struggle with sin and I pray you'd help us to get victory this week over those things whether it be in word or in deed or in thought. God, I know that bitterness is always a, an issue that is a possibility in our lives. And so I pray, God, if there be any of that, you'd root it out this week. You have to point it out, Lord, and show us we're dumb sheep. And then, Lord, help us to confess it to you. And then, Lord, I pray, God, for a good attendance this week lord i remember in years gone by when this building was packed wall to wall visitors sinners coming in and father it hasn't been that way in the last few years and lord i pray god that that the church people first would commit to be faithful this week to teach their children by example that church is important for us to show our neighbors and our loved ones who around us and maybe even living with us that we are going to go to church because God's going to meet with us there so Lord I pray that you'd bring a good attendance I pray that sinners would come and I pray God we get an opportunity to preach the gospel to lost people and they'd be saved and father that their lives would begin to bring you the glory that you so justly deserve and then Lord I also pray uh, father this week Uh, God, for myself and my wife and our children as we're seeking your face, as you're seemingly leading and guiding us in some different areas, Lord, I pray, God, that you would open doors, close doors, make it evident. Again, we are dumb sheep and we just need you. Lord, I pray, Father, that if you want somebody to do something different, to go into the ministry, to take a different ministry, Father, to serve you in some other way, Lord, would you please have the avenues open so the Holy Spirit can lead God and direct their lives and show them what you'd have them to do. Father, the fields are wide into harvest, as you've told us, and we're not teaching you anything, Father, but in light of that, Lord, and our knowledge of that, Father, we pray that you would, as you've asked us to pray, send forth laborers into your harvest. Send forth some able-bodied men that Know the word of God that you could use in the ministry, Father. Call men to preach. Father, we pray for that this week. I pray for the children. All the visiting children, our own flesh and blood children. Lord, the job's not done as far as raising them. And I pray, God, you'd you'd help them this week and help us to know how to raise our children. God, please do whatever you want to do this week in our hearts, but help us to come hungry and humble and be faithful to the meetings. And, Lord, any of these issues or questions that we've asked, the answers of these, Lord, I pray that you'd manifest all of that. God, may we truly be prepared to receive what you have for us. And, Lord, I pray this would be the greatest revival this church has ever seen. I pray, God, this would be the greatest revival in my heart this week that we've ever seen. We believe you can do uh, great, mighty things which we know not. So I, I ask you, Father, to do that this week. Show us Jesus. Show us his wonderful love, Lord. Show us his great sacrifice on the cross. Humble us and draw us closer to you, Father. And we ask it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Preacher.